36 years ago, this movement was started. In spite of us, this movement has grown, led by the Lord, guided by the Holy Spirit. You know, we have had challenges, heartaches, failures, broken dreams. But in spite of that, over 3,000 churches, over half a million believers, thousands of trained children, students, graduates. It's not about Ajaylal, it's not about Hindu. It is about love and grace because Jesus died and rose again. That movement should grow. It's all about that. Ajay Lal grew up in India and went to college to be a lawyer, but God had other plans and in fact called him into ministry. And after he earned his master's and PhD degree, Ajay and his wife Indu began Central India Christian Mission back in 1982. We call it CICM, right there based out of Damo, India. You know, India has over a billion people, more than like a sixth of the world's population but crammed into a little space about one-third the size of the United States. And though it's a place of incredible beauty and cultural richness, it's also a place with an oppressive caste system and grinding poverty. It's also a place with um, a kind of spiritual hopelessness. Only about 2% are Christian, and many of the people groups have never heard the name of Christ. Many of the Christians are severely persecuted. It's why we're so grateful for our partnership with Ajay and Indu and the whole CICM ministry. And I've been there firsthand to see it. And I promise you, it's absolutely incredible what they're doing. They have a hospital, they have a nursing college, there's a ministry training institute. There's so many aspects to their ministry, including publishing and church planning. Over a thousand churches have been planted. Indu leads a children's ministry with multiple orphanages and over 5,000 children served. It's absolutely remarkable and it's all growing rapidly in a desperately needed part of the world. We're so grateful for our long-term relationship with the Laws and CICM over 25 years now. And it's been just too long since they've been here because they're such dear friends and that's what I want you to know. These are people that are so dear to us, to me personally, and I'm so grateful for their effectiveness, their integrity, and their passion for the Lord Jesus Christ and what they're doing. Let's give today as part of our Global Impact Celebration a warm welcome to Dr. Ajay Lal. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, it's a great honor and privilege for my wife Hindu and I to be with Mountain Family um, after six years. Uh, we are grateful to God for this opportunity. We are grateful to Brother Ben for allowing me to preach and Brother Tom who's extended this invitation. It's a great privilege to be with many missionaries who are doing a tremendous job around the world and it's great to see how how things are happening here in this area and all in all your campuses. Uh, so we bring you greetings from your brothers and sisters who live in the country of 
India and now the work of Central India Christian Mission since last 38 years have gone into Nepal and Bhutan and uh, Afghanistan and Sri Lanka um, and Bangladesh. And uh, we, we praise God that in spite of us, he continues to move mightily and open doors for us in the areas that are unreached, where Christians are less than 1%, where if you are Christian, your life is in danger, where there are no churches. We praise God that God has allowed our team to go into those areas. We have, we have seen um, our, some of our preachers who have been killed uh, their wives who have been gang raped, the children who have been res- uh, who have been kidnapped, and 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 lot of horrible things. But in spite of all that, in spite of everything, God continues to move mightily. And as Brother Ben has said, and he has witnessed this firsthand, and we are grateful for the teams that come to visit us from Mountain that there are over 3,100 churches God has planted in five countries and over half a million people are worshiping the Lord. We praise God for that. We are in the, involved in the process of training leaders. There are three Bible colleges and we have 100 graduates. And when they go out, in fact, last week we sent 27 who are going to do internship in the areas where they can be killed. They, where they are going to work in the dangerous area where there is Islamic extremism and, and, and terrorism. But they have committed their life because they know that they have a cause which is larger than their life to when they have Jesus Christ into their lives and they have committed their lives to Jesus Christ. And we praise God. We are thankful that God has allowed us to translate the entire Bible first time in the history of India to reach one of the largest unreached groups called Bundeli. About 10 years ago, they did not have any scriptures ever translated into the language. With the help of Pioneer Bible translators, our 18 editors and, and uh, people who, who knew Bundeli, who, have, uh, who are highly educated, they took the challenge. In about four years' time, the entire New Testament was translated. And I'm happy to tell you that this year, they have completed the entire translation of the Bible into Bundeli language, which is the language of 52 million people. Can you imagine? 52 million people without any scriptures. India is significant when you think about the missions. India is significant. There are 1.3 billion people in the areas where we are working. It's less than 1% people. It is the largest Hindu nation on the face of this earth. It is the second largest nation, uh, second largest Islamic nation after Indonesia and they are predicting that if Islam continues to grow the way it is growing, India will become the, the largest uh, Islamic nation in the next four years. We are growing and we are almost about to exceed the population of China as we have 20 million babies being born every year. We add one Australia to our population every year. 
So when you think about India, when you frame out India, you are reaching the people who are unreached, people who have never heard the name Jesus Christ, people who do not have privilege to have their scriptures, people where there is terrorism. And, and, and uh, there are lots of things about the, the situations that our people live in. I can go on and talk about the persecution. I'm, I remember one time preaching at the gunpoint. I remember the time when our house was broken and we were attacked by 15 gunmen who have their, who we have, we got more than 200 bullets in our bedroom in the middle of the night. And it was a miracle that how God, God saved our lives and our children. And we are thankful to God for, for giving us life and allowing us to, to serve him. This week, as we are focusing on the greatest commandment that Jesus has given us, the greatest commandment uh, is which is found in Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 to 40, where Jesus is saying, love your God, your, uh, love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And second is, like this, love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus is saying, love your neighbor as yourself. And later he defines that neighbor is not only the person who lives next door to you, definitely his neighbor, but neighbor is the person who is in need as he talks about, the, about, about uh, how, um, uh, how uh, the people who are... Uh, Living in the darkness are also our neighbors. Anyone who is in need is our neighbor when we talk about the good Samaritan. But then we are not only looking into our neighborhoods, our regions where we live, where we work, but also we are focusing on the great commission of Jesus Christ where, where Jesus has said that go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and I will be with you to the very end of the age. And Jesus is with us as we follow the greatest commandment and the great commission. If you study the last chapter of, of gospel according to, to Mark, it talks about the resurrection of Jesus, ascension of Jesus. And before that, he talks about, you know, we, we, we read about the great commission. And what is amazing, what is amazing, and please hear me clearly, Jesus has already ascended to heaven these disciples are working and spreading the word. And it says, as those disciples worked, the Lord worked with them. Because he has promised his presence. So as we obey the greatest commandment, as we obey the great commission, it is his promise that he is going to be with us. Every time I have talked to the believers who have been persecuted, they said in in all the cases, every time I talk to them, do not pray that the persecution would stop, but pray that we will remain faithful to the last breath of our lives. And we, we praise God for, for those witnesses. There was, a, there was an event in India. An Islamic suicide bomber was traveling 
in a metro train in the city of Mumbai, which was Bombay. And it was a team, a, a, a train was crowded. Lots of people. And this suicide bomber was on a mission to go into a business area and, and to, to destroy a significant area. And as he was traveling, he, he, was, he was sitting there, and all of a sudden, he felt the touch of, of a girl who was sitting next to him. And uh, he felt the touch, and he looked, and there was a girl about four years of age, and she, she had tears in her eyes, and she looked at him, and with the innocent face, she said, I'm lost. I was with my father. I got lost in that metro station. Can you help me finding my home? That little girl's touch, tears of her eyes, and an innocent face changed everything. He found himself, this, this bomber found himself on a different mission. His direction was changed. He went and he helped that girl to find her home. And he handed her to, to, to her parents. And he, he went back to the police station and he surrendered himself. He said, I was in a mission of destruction and I, my mission is changed. I want to surrender myself to the police and to the, to the constitution uh, to the, to, of India. And then... There were press reporters. And they asked, what was that that changed your mind, that changed your direction? And he said, with the touch of a little girl, with the tears of her eyes and her innocent face, she was lost. And when I promised her, she slept on my lap for 15 minutes. It changed everything. And I came to realize, and here I quote him, that the ultimate purpose of this life is not in destruction, but in saving the lives of the people. We are created to build, not to destroy. Jesus Christ has given us a purpose which is larger than our lives to to make the impact in the lives of the people and make the eternal impact as most of the people, our neighbors, people around the globe are going in the direction of eternal destruction. We have given the, the commission, we have commissioned to save the lives, to save the direction, to change the direction of the people from destruction to have eternal life. And that is only possible through Jesus Christ because you and I believe and we are convicted that Jesus Christ is the only hope of this world. If we are convicted of this fact. And to share very quickly, I want to draw your attention to the second chapter of Gospel according to, the, to Mark. And I'm sure you remember this event. I would not call it a story. I never call these stories in India. I'm careful because when, when you say story, it's something that people can imagine or they have some dreams or they, they have something in their thinking. But this is an event. It says Jesus had come home 
he was at Capernaum. And um, there was a big crowd. And Jesus was, was uh, teaching them. And, and Jesus was preaching the word to them. And there was a huge crowd. That, that place was packed with people. But then in the story, the focus goes to this man who was paralyzed. The man who was not able to walk. The man who was not able to help himself. But he was, there were four people who were carrying him. And these four people had compassion for this man. And they were convicted that if somehow we can take our friend to the feet of Jesus Christ, our friend can be healed. And they had made that commitment. They were determined. Even though then we found that there were so many people, even they could not go through the door. So they went up on the roof and they, they, they broke the roof. They made an opening. They put the man on a, on, a, on a mat. And then they lowered the mat that was that paralyzed man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, it says... The very first thing Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus knew that the primary need of a human heart is a spiritual healing more than physical healing. And that's why Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven. And then there were people who were questioning in this mind, who is this man talking like, like God? Who is this man who has power to forgive sins? Jesus, knowing their thoughts, he said, get, get up, take your mat, and walk. And that man did that. In this, whole, in this whole event, in this whole picture, there are four categories represented. The very first category is re represented by this man who was paralyzed. This man who was not able to move. This man who was not able to help himself. This man who may have dreams, but he could not fulfill his dreams. This man who may have, he, he may have wanted to meet his friends and family, but he, did, he could not move himself. He was paralyzed. He was paralyzed. And then we think, we know that this man is representing those people who have never heard about Jesus Christ. This man is representing those people who are unable to help themselves. It's very common that you go in a village in India and ask the village chief, do you know Jesus? And the common answer would be, I have never heard this name. He doesn't live here. There's a next village five miles from here. You may find Jesus there. It is sad that 2,000 years after the resurrection of Christ, we are saying still there are 3 billion people who have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. They are considered in the category of unreached people. People who do not have any Christian witness available. People who do not have scriptures translated into their language. And when we talk about unsaved people, when we talk about unengaged people, when we talk about the lost people, the number goes beyond 3 billion, maybe 4 billion or 5 billion. These, these people, the people who have been, who do not have any hope, 
who do not have anyone to reach, who do not, who do not have any Christian witness available to them. And in Romans chapter 10, verse 14, basically it says, how can they believe unless they hear? How can they hear unless someone tells them, unless someone shares Jesus with them? These are the people who are unable to help uh, themselves. I have been going to Punjab because we have a lot of college graduates who are working to plant churches in Punjab. And Punjab is a very difficult area to work. There's a lot of terrorism. It is a bordering state of India with Pakistan and uh, people who are working there. I was about to go, and a week before our gathering, they were expecting over 10,000 people. Before our gathering, a week before our gathering, the preacher was killed on, the, on that same spot. And then I called his son, and I said, after, you know, three, four days from now, uh, we, our meetings are going to start. Do you still want to have the meetings? I was hoping he would say, no, 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 we have canceled. Don't come. We are all sad and extremists are here. Uh, you may be killed. And I was to preach, so I was hoping for that answer. But he said, no, 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 we are determined. That was my dad's dream. You have to come and preach. My heart was saying I can send some good preacher. But I, I, we went there. And then they, we were surrounded by the police and police said that on your right is a Hindu temple, on your left is a Muslim mosque, right in front of you is a Sikh temple. If, if people start coming towards you, if you see people are trying to kill you and create disturbance, you need to run towards the back because there is 200 acres of sugarcane field. And that, that night... It was packed. Over 10,000 people. Even the main highway was blocked. It was before the general election. So government did not stop that. They didn't want to lose the votes. It's a lot about politics everywhere. No matter whether America or India. And people were, they had, they were hundreds of vehicles, vehicles were stopped for three hours. And that night we saw hundreds and hundreds of people coming forward, wanting to learn about Jesus, wanting to give their lives to Jesus, saying that we have never heard that. And then our preachers called me after a few weeks and they said, our churches are growing. We were running about 40, now we are running about 200. We got a lot of people who have made their decision first time. And it was amazing to see how Literally 2,000 people gave their lives to Jesus during that week. But then I remember coming to the Denver airport in Denver, Colorado. And we were together as a family with my children and grandchildren. We had uh, nine large suitcases, missionary-sized suitcases. And it was winter and it was just a, it was a lot of snow. And it was a, a storm, and somehow we were landed. And, and we had this man who was, who was helping us with the luggage. And he, he had his tr uh, trolley, and he was pick, packing, picking up all the luggage. And he was uh, a little elderly, and, uh, you know, the, the definition of elderly changes as you grow. Uh, so I would not tell about his age. 
but he was not too far from me. But <laughs> he, he looked very tired and, and he helped us and he stayed with us for 45 minutes. He, he went out of his way and he helped us and he loved our grandchildren and he talked to us so nicely. And I got to know him a little bit and his name is, was Steve. And I said, Brother Steve, may I pray for you before he left? And I started praying for him. He started weeping. Towards the end of the prayer, he said that this is the first time in 65 years of my life that somebody has prayed for me. And I was shocked that in a Christian nation, this man was lost as much as the people in the tribal area of Kathmandu. This man who was paralyzed represents those people who were, uh, who are lost, who are in darkness. The second category in this, is, in this picture is represented by four people. These four people who knew where to take this person, they were convinced that if somehow they brought this person to the feet of Jesus Christ, this man will be healed. Those people who, who have compassion, who have courage even to break the roof, who, have, who, who, were, who, were, who had compassion and courage and conviction and commitment and cooperation to join hands and sense of compulsion so that their friend can be healed. Do we have that? Do we have that in our hearts? Compassion is not just a feeling that comes and goes, but compassion is a sense of shared suffering combined with an action to reduce such suffering. If compassion is not with action, if we are not involved in the process, it's just a feeling, it's not compassion. Compassion is a feeling, shared suffering. And an action to reduce such suffering. Every place Jesus went, he made a difference. Every person he touched, he made a difference. Every village he went, he made a difference. And he saw people and he had compassion. He had compassion. He saw people as they were lost without, without a shepherd and he had tears in his eyes. Do we have that action in our faith that we have compassion courage do we have courage to break the barriers do we have courage to do something that may be unusual to reach our neighbors and to reach those people someone has defined a courageous person is is a man is a person who knows the way who goes the way who shows the way who knows Jesus, who goes Jesus, who follows Jesus, and who witnesses Jesus. Conviction is not just the opinion. Opinion can be based on my experience and my knowledge, but conviction is something which is rooted in my conscience, which is my worldview that I live with. Do we... Do we have that conviction that there is no other name given under heaven to mankind through which we must be saved other than Jesus? 
Do we have that conviction that whoever has the Son has life and whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life? Do we have the conviction that Jesus Christ is the life and the truth and the way and the only hope for this world? I heard a story about uh, Dr. Hallback, who was visiting a city in the South Africa, and, and he saw that city, and it was unusual because they had a, they had a place which, which has tall walls, a large place, and also it, it has only one iron gate. And he asked his uh, tour guide, what, what is happening inside the walls? And he said, I'll show you. So he took Dr. Hallback to the mountain, and what, what Dr. Hallback saw crushed his heart. He saw thousands of lepers living in this, within those walls. Nobody was there to take care of them. People were throwing crackers and stale food and leftovers, and they were waiting to die. And Dr. Hallback wrote a letter to his university in England. And two young Moravian missionaries who have just graduated from the medical college, who loved Jesus, they were maybe 27, 28 years of age. And they came and they said, we want to serve these lepers. So they went to the authorities of the city and they said, can we do this? And the official said, yes, we will let you go. But you have to sign a document. There's one condition that you can go in, but you cannot come out. And they signed their death warrant, and we don't know the rest of the story. But I'm sure as they went and touched and prayed and shared Jesus, they saved hundreds and hundreds of souls for the Lord. Do we have that courage? You know, Jesus saying, make disciples. How many times we feel guilty that we have not given enough to the Lord? Times when we feel guilty that we have not spent much time in prayer. Uh, we have not been involved with the, with the process, with the local congregation. Uh, we feel guilty. But have you ever felt guilty about not making disciples? If we are doing everything and not making disciples... Maybe Satan is happy. Have you ever felt guilty? The third category is the category represented in this black picture where people were just standing. And they were so packed that all the doors, that there was no room for sick people to come to Jesus. They were just viewers. They were just watching what is happening they were seeing the miracle, but they were not part of the miracle. How many times we are like that? We stand, watch, hear what God is doing, but we, we are not involved in the process. You know, a lot of times when I see the nations that are, that are prospering and, and growing and receiving amazing blessings of God, and then I see persecuted church, I feel a lot of times that Maybe it is possible for preachers and our Christian leaders, as by the way, according to Barna Research Group, 125,000 Christians are killed every year because of their faith. 
It may be easier for a person to go through persecution, but it may be difficult to handle prosperity and live for Jesus. If we start loving our neighbors and the lost more than we love our pets, this world would be a different place. I'm, I'm not going to be popular and invited again, maybe, I don't know. But if we start loving our neighbors more than we love and care for our pets, this world would be a different nation. And finally, the fourth category is Jesus. Jesus is in the picture and everything changes when Jesus is there. And when you bring people to the feet of Jesus, they always, always receive more than what is expected. Even these four people who brought their friend to Jesus, they were expecting just physical healing. But much more than that, this man received salvation. His sins were forgiven. He received eternal life. He received spiritual healing. It is amazing to see when we bring people to the feet of Lord Jesus, what he does. The final thought and a, and a short story, and I will be done. Jesus is at the cross. The only disciple who is there at this time of the journey is John. And Jesus looks at John and hands the responsibility of his mother to John. And we know that story. We know that event. Jesus trusted John and given, given him that responsibility. A lot of times the question is, do we trust Jesus? But there is a greater question for us is, can Jesus trust us with what he has given because we are just the storekeeper, everything belongs to him. Can Jesus trust us with the greatest commandment and the great commission that as a disciples, as a follower of Jesus, we will carry that out? In India, in our children's home, we had a little girl and now there's a new rule that anyone can come with the government's order and they can take the children. We raised that girl from the childhood and she was five years of age. And this doctor and his wife who were not Christians, they came and they had the, they had the paper from the government and they took the girl, which broke her heart because it's, it was like a toy store. They came, showed the paper and five years that girl was attached to her heart and they took. Two months later, I was talking to Jai Moses, who is the preacher in the city of Kutni. And I said, you know, that doctor who lives in your area, Dr. Gupta took that little girl. What happened? Oh, he said, that's great. I'm glad you asked that question. He said, they started bringing her to, to the Sunday school because they loved her and she wanted to go to Sunday school. And you know what? Last week, after listening to these things about Jesus, the whole family gave their lives to Jesus and and they were baptized. A little girl. 
a little girl with her tears and a smile can change the heart, can change the destiny, can change the mission. How much more Jesus can do with us? Can Jesus trust us? Father, thank you for talking to us. And I just pray, Father, that as we go from here, that we will go with the heart filled with compassion, mind that is filled with conviction, and with a commitment to share Jesus with our neighbors and people who are living in darkness. Through your strength and guidance and presence, this is possible. We thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.